sitting at the house of mercy on the water's edge was a man who met the Savior so the gospel said waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame till an angel it was told down from heaven came folks came from all around near and far sit here at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir just sitting at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir Events happen to us, overtake us, and outstrip the reach of the subject or the ego. What, you don't think it's true? <laughs> I'm puzzling over it. Yeah. Hey, you know, it feels like a minor miracle that we actually get to see people on such a cold day yes. in the midst of the COVID pandemic. So thank you really so much for coming out. It really is good to see you. And if you're not here, it's very understandable. Yeah, everybody I think should do, we encourage people to do what feels safe. And exactly, and there's the podcast. That's yeah, the that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, if you'd like to leave right now, go listen on your way home, you could do that too. Um, wait, it's not live. Never mind, that won't work. <laughs> um, and there's no live streaming tonight, Yeah. right? Right, and we're not even gonna do a whole service. <laughs> no, we will, we will. So you know what? What? Every year we um, enjoy celebrating Candlemas, right? Candlemas, yes. yes. Candlemas, yeah. It's the, uh, it's the uh, hybrid, it's a Scandinavian uh, Hispanic holiday in origin. Irish, actually. Oh, uh, more like that. St. Bridget. It means right? more candles, right? Is that what it means? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, actually, it is the celebration. The Candlemas is, uh, what is it? Well, it's the right between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. Yeah. And it does have roots in like indigenous Irish culture, celebrating the goddess Bridget. But Christians adopted it to celebrate the return of the light. And I thought uh, kind of an interesting factor, not really that interesting at all, but um, I read it. <laughs> that this Monday after Candlemas in Ireland is plow day because that's when they begin to start their agricultural year. They plow the fields. Wow. Yeah, I heard it's like the beginning of spring. Which is really funny because we do have plow day here, but it's, but it's a snow emergency route. It's <laughs> an emergency mostly, so it's different. Yeah. But anyway, February 6th, Candlemas. Moss, Candlemas. Hey, how good! It's good to see you guys here. You all came out. Uh, the band, Eric. Great to have you on piano back there. Son. Oh yeah. Yep. Thank That's you. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. 
and of course, all of you on the strings. Yeah. Just, this, trying, just trying to keep you on your toes. Okay, I like it. I'm there. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Join me now in the prayers of community and uh, each prayer petition with God and your mercy. And I invite you to respond here our prayer. God of spirit and fire and winnowing fork, help us trust you to, I don't know, know what you are doing. Always be working toward good or at any rate loving us deeply through all the rough parts and with a love that makes some real difference in the world. Whether it's transforming hearts and minds or alleviating the difficulty someplace of painful and impoverished material conditions, or burning away the chaff, the useless material that grows on us and makes us mean or greedy or hateful and judging. Help us trust you, however foolish it might seem in the world as it is, Help us trust you to redeem it. Baptize us with your spirit of love and mercy. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for so many other possibilities to blossom than fascism. We pray that you will liberate our imaginations, 
to envision streams of mercy, to help us create a multitude of different ways to nurture love, carving out paths to freedom, and always inching closer to understanding what that means as people intertwined with each other and all of creation. Help us not to be complacent about our social and political situation, about the rules and rulers that establish the parameters of our lives as citizens of nations and the world. Help us be creative, honest, and engaged to do what we need to keep these systems we live inside of from sliding further and further into authoritarianism, violence, injustice, or the reign of the few at the expense of the many. We pray for this world. God, in your mercy. Gracious creator, it's hard not to be motivated by self-interest. You probably know that about humans. But we pray that we will keep moving toward another way of being, love. We also have this capacity. We pray that the fossil fuel industry will quit seeking profits at the expense of the life of this planet. That we will act in creative ways to disempower greed. We pray for a future that includes a habitable earth. And whatever the sort of energy it is we need to engage in creative and civil resistance to help to see to that possibility of institutions committed to intentional justice, to the life of the world, we pray that you will fill us with it. God, in your mercy. God of the broken and the hungry and those who mourn, we pray that you will be close to those who need healing, to those who are suffering the pain of physical, spiritual, and emotional need, that you would fill them with good things, or at least give them tastes of some sort of beautiful peace. Bind up the brokenhearted, release the captives. God, in your mercy. We pray especially for Aubrey, that you will comfort him in his mourning, and that you will assure him that Ellie is safely in your arms. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We probably don't even know what it means. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Hear our confessions as we pause for silence. You forgive us all of our sin, and you love us more than we can imagine. Thank you. Amen. Scripture reading tonight comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of God. This is uh, the first Sunday of Epiphany. Kicks off the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is the season of the church year that follows Christmas and precedes Lent. It's called Epiphany this season, I think because the uh, holiday or the feast or celebration of Epiphany is uh, during the season of Epiphany. See, Epiphany, the holiday, or feast, or celebration, is the day that, uh, isn't it kind of weird? Did you ever think about this? Like, what you call something can make it seem totally different. Like, what you attach to it, what words you use to define it. Like, uh, if I say Epiphany is like a holiday, then it seems like maybe I, I get the day off of school or work. But if I call Epiphany a feast, then it seems like, you know, I get to sit at one of those long wooden tables and eat one of those really big turkey legs and maybe drink meat out of a pitcher. But if I call Epiphany a celebration, the celebration of Epiphany, well, that just seems like something fake. Because, I mean, come on, if you were to say to me, hey, oh yeah, Russell, it's the celebration of Epiphany. I don't get excited because... I know we're not really gonna celebrate, right? An epiphany celebration, a party. There's no balloons for it. And when I really think about it, I mean, I don't really even wanna eat one of those big turkey legs. I mean, I did eat one once, one time at the Renaissance Festival, and it was like, it was dense you know, and with all these tendons in it, and the meat was sort of like hard, and the skin was sort of like skin, and there was like this giant bone, you know, and I'm just like, I'm like looking at it, and it's just like, you know what it's like? It's like eating a turkey's leg, and I'm just holding it, and I'm looking at it, and I could easily see like the whole physiology of the bird, extending from his leg, which someone cut off and sold to me. I could not even take a bite. I mean, there is not enough meat in Shakopee for me to choke that down. Also, what about the turkey? I started looking around for a one-legged turkey. I didn't want him to come hopping around the corner and see me just standing there holding his leg. So I just, like, put it down on some Renaissance hay bale and moved away quickly. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, Epiphany. 
Yeah, you're never going to get off work or school for Epiphany, even if you do call it a holiday. Even though holiday actually means holy day, which Epiphany is. So Epiphany, if you follow my line of thinking, could seem like a bit of a disappointment as far as holiday celebrations and feasts go. But it isn't a disappointment. It doesn't have to be. It's a boon. It's a boon, actually. Yes, it's a real boon, and it's about hope and possibility and witnessing the movement towards justice with Murphy because epiphany is about seeing God or God making an appearance, God revealing God's self in the world. Or, you know, specifically, it is Jesus being revealed as God, as the Christ, the Messiah of God, by way of the Magi, the three kings. That's the epiphany event when they show up. Some people even eat king cakes to mark the day. But there are no kings in the Gospel of Luke to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. In Luke, there are shepherds. You know, you've seen the Charlie Brown thing, Linus's bit. Uh, you know, it was in that region where the shepherds were living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said, Do not be afraid, for I see I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah. So all the shepherds, they go and they travel to see the baby Messiah, and they told Mary and Joseph what the angel said. This is in Luke. No kings. Shepherds. We should be eating shepherd's pie, maybe, to celebrate. This event, I don't know, what does it feel like when I call it an event? What is an event, even? The event. This occasion is really, it's incapable of disappointment. It can only be dulled by our inability to notice. Epiphany cannot be contained by its Wikipedia page. It cannot be thwarted by its inclusion in the church calendar. Epiphany is an epiphany, a manifestation of God, God revealing God's self. This whole season is about God revealing God's presence in the world, God's involvement in our lives. Epiphany, put down the king cake and the turkey leg. Get a big plate full of that shepherd's pie. This is good, this is hopeful. Of course, there's a very real possibility that as much as one wants to experience the manifestation of God's presence in the world, that you're just not seeing the Messiah in that shepherd's pie. You're just not seeing God manifest in the world. Epiphany also can be used to talk about a sudden intuitive perception or an insight into the reality or essential meaning of something, usually initiated by some simple, homely, or commonplace occurrence or experience, which is super great. I mean, have you ever had an epiphany like that? that realization, that sudden insight, I have. Where like all of a sudden, you're thinking about something or you're not thinking about something and then you like notice a tree and it makes you realize 
something? You have an intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of, you know, something. And I love it when that happens. And it's just like, it's like a brilliant ray of sunlight shines on something. And you see it for the first time, what it really is, what it's really about. You suddenly get it. You understand. You realize. What do you realize? What they don't tell you about epiphanies on dictionary.com is that most people almost, they never remember their epiphanies. It's not like some permanent change or a switch that goes on and then you know that thing. Wikipedia doesn't mention the fleeting nature of epiphanies. I've had epiphanies, sudden realizations, insight into the essential meaning of something, but I don't really remember the content. I don't really remember what they were about. It's more like I remember the sensation of the epiphany, the occasion of the epiphany, the event, but not really the content. And even if I remember the content, it doesn't seem to quite have the same weight as it did in the epiphanal moment or when that event occurred. So having had this experience several times where I had this epiphany and then I don't remember what it was about later, I even wrote it down one time. I wrote down so I would not forget. For I, so I would remember it for sure. I wrote it down and I stuck this piece of paper in my journal. And I hunted it down yesterday when I was working on the sermon. I hunted it down, I found it, and you know what it said? God loves us. I mean, I think that's true. But it didn't really have the zing it seemed to have at the time. You know, it wasn't like news to me. It wasn't an insight. It wasn't like something I never heard before. God loves us. Those are the words I wrote down so I would not forget what my epiphany was about. It didn't seem, I don't know, those words I wrote down so I wouldn't forget my epiphany it, it, those words didn't seem to contain the epiphany. When I read the words, I didn't feel a mystical wind revealing a glimpse at the, of the mystery of God. They were just words, good words. God loves you. I remember having this epiphany vividly. I remember the experience, but I did not afterwards remember the God loves us part. I remember it was two winters ago, standing on my back porch. It was so cold out, like 20 below. And I was going from my car to the back door, trying to get into the house as fast as I could because I was freezing. And I stepped up on my porch and this moon, there was this bright moon and it stopped me. And I looked up at the moon and I exhaled and I could see the moisture in my breath 
crystallizing, like the moon reflecting off the crystallizing moisture from my breath. And it overwhelmed me. It was a physical feeling. This realization, it was so profound and so beautiful that tears welled up in my eyes. I remembered all of that. I remembered the moon, my breath, the flood of emotion, but I did not remember the content of the epiphany until I pulled out that scrap of paper. God loves us. I mean, it doesn't necessarily seem like new information. And perhaps epiphany is less holiday or event or celebration, but is more like possibility in the moment. listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. <laughs>